everyone, and welcome to Behold, the podcast where we cast our all-seeing eye over the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined to everyone's favourite alien goo monster, Mick. Hello, eat him! <laughs> Excellent. So, how are you both doing today, Mick? We're fine. Kill! Thank you for asking. How are you? Are you all prepared for Christmas? Eat everybody! I knew we had you on the show for a reason. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just, I'm very happy to be off work for Christmas now. Excellent. Excellent. Eat the customers! I'd maybe happy to have watched a film. But we won't get into that as we plug our tentacles into a laptop to hack the police database. Yeah. As we behold, <laughs> Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, was it ever a more apt film title? I mean, it's getting called Venom 2 from now on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, we've, just, we've only got about an hour for this, Nick. Just for timing purposes. So this is the 2021 film directed by Andy Serkis. Yeah. Written by Kelly Marcel and Tom Hardy. Yes, the yeah. same Tom Hardy who plays the main character and the main character. I mean, it's almost like they couldn't afford a whole crew. And cast. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit, but especially the cast in this film, I found just very confusing. Yeah. No, I get it. No, I don't know if in a bad way, just in a. These are not the actors I expected to see in these roles. No. No. Anyway. Anyway, yeah, Venom, based on the Marvel Comics character created by David McElhaney and Todd McFarlane. Sort of. Maybe a bit. <laughs> yeah, because Venom is another one of those characters where you can kind of go back and forth on who, who really created them. So obviously, David McElhaney and Todd McFarlane, they invented the character of Venom, like the character of Eddie Rock wearing an alien symbiote suit. Mm. But of course, they're not the ones who created the alien symbiote. Yes. That was, I mean, technically, if we really want to get into the weeds of it, a guy called Randy Schuler. I so thought you were going to say Shoelace then. I thought that's a name to get you buried at school, uh, bullied at school, isn't it? Randy Shoelace. I don't think I want some Randy Shoelaces on my feet. <laughs> No. Do you think those like what band Quentin Tarantino buys? <laughs> yeah, Mick, are, are you a fan of the work of Randy Schuler? I, I I don't know. Am I? I mean, probably not, seeing as he's never created a single comic book in his life. Right. Randy Schuler is actually a Marvel comic book reader who basically sent a letter into Marvel saying, 
I think Spider-Man should have a cool black costume. Look, I've done his design. And Marvel were like, yeah, we'll have that. And in time on the tradition, didn't pay him for it. Yep. <laughs> Don't worry, everyone. The comics industry has always been terrible. <laughs> Since literally like a week after it started, they realised, oh, we can sell these superhero things for lots of money. Should we give some of that money to our creative staff? No. No. We pay them, don't we? We give them an yeah, they, office to sit in. They earn almost a living wage. <laughs> I mean, how much living do they need to, to to fund? Bearing in mind that, you know, we're going to work them for 19 hours a day in a dark room with only their easel lit. Uh, it's fine, and by fine, I mean, I think... I think actually David McElhaney is one of those comic comic creators who's had to like go online and say, can people please give me money for all these horrible medical bills I have, yeah. even though I've created a character who's in a little multi-million pound movie. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? I mean, I, I do see the arguments that some people put forward saying, like, you knew this was the case when you created the comic. This you knew that this was how the industry worked, but there's kind of like you know what's contractually required to be done and what's right. Yeah, yeah, I think comic books is definitely one of those industries where it's a very good example of this is the difference between legal and ethical. Yeah. Anyway, Venom is a big angry goo man. Don't call me that! Sorry, he's a big angry goo lethal protector. Thank you! But yeah, Venom. I, I like Venom. He was like definitely one of my favourite characters probably when I was younger. Yeah, I... This was... It was one of my rare forays into comics in the 90s was a couple of runs of Spider-Man where Venom was a prominent character and I really enjoyed it and I think it was the time when um, Venom was he was kind of acting as he, he was in he was on Eddie Brock as a kind of ditched lover of uh, Spider-Man <laughs> the only reason it was an evil version of uh, the black suit is because he was trying to get back at Peter Parker and ditching yeah, because just in case anyone doesn't know, Venom's whole origin story was he, he was a, he's a black alien goo that bonds to people, kind of makes him like a black Spider-Man suit. Was bonded to Peter Parker. Peter Parker found out he was alive. The, the suit, I mean, he, I think he was pretty aware that himself was alive. Yeah, yeah. One thing you can say about Peter Parker is that he is self-aware. The spider so, yeah, sense so, helps. So Peter Parker gets rid of the aliens. Hate Peter Parker! It then bonds with Eddie Brock, who was a journalist. Basically, Spider-Man revealed that one of the stories he did was um, like fake. So that cost him his career and decided they... And so they joined together and decided they're going to show that Peter Parker what for. And we're not going to take him back, even if he begs. Yeah. But actually, if, if he did beg, we will. We miss him so much. 
But yeah, it's cool. Because I think the 90s was the best time for Venom as well, because I think it was relatively new then. Yeah. And he, well, I, I guess it's true of like most comic book villains of its kind of diminishing returns. Yeah, and, and he did get brought back an awful lot at that time, didn't they? They, they really cashed in on, on the popularity. Yeah, especially like he works well originally because it's one of those things where he's almost unbeatable until you find like the one thing that'll beat him. But then next time that's not going to work because like he knows he's weak to sound. So he's kind of taking precautions about that. So now we've got to think of a new thing. And like basically culminates in what I think is one of the best Venom stories where Spider-Man just basically takes his costume off, sticks it on a skeleton in a desert island, and then goes, yay, I did it, I killed him. That's <laughs> why so I just swims off going, yeah, good enough. I'm going to tell everyone I won that fight. But yeah, it's one of those things, like, the more times he shows up, the more he gets beaten, and the more he's just kind of another villain, yeah. slash another anti-hero. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's easy for comic book villains to fall into that trap. But hey, Tom. Indeed. And actually, speaking of villains who fall very easily into repetitive traps and very soon have to stay their welcome, Carnage. <laughs> Who is just what if Venom but more? Yeah. Which I said, I think that that's a little bit unfair. I do think as a one-off villain, Carnage is quite good. Because it's the idea of Venom is what happens when you take Spider-Man and make him creepy. Mm. And then Carnage is what happens when you take Venom and make him creepier. (laughs) So it's basically Venom's Venom. Um, I was kind of when when I saw the mid credit sequence for the first Venom movie and they showed Woody Harrelson. Yeah, in his Ronald McDonald wig. Hey, <laughs> in his Ronald McDonald wig. Yeah, he didn't look half as crazy when the final film came out. Um, but I thought he looked like sideshow Bob. I thought they were gonna have Sideshow Bob as the uh, villain for Venom Two. Oh my god, he, that's that's my main disappointment with this film is that they didn't go full on to give him a massive red afro. Yeah. <laughs> when he gets beaten. But yeah, so it was, it was kind of weird going into this film because I guess the point I was leading up to is Carnage works as a thing where you can then go, oh no, this is even worse, Venom. Therefore, Venom and Spider-Man now need to team up to beat him. Yeah. Which, I mean, again, I guess it's it's weird in the same way as they've made a film about evil Spider-Man in a world where Spider-Man doesn't exist. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Which, I guess, probably leads us into the synopsis, doesn't it? It, it, it really does. I tried, I tried to elbow these segues in as surreptitiously as I can, but you always pick them out and, and point them out. You would be such a seamless, professional-sounding podcast, but you just didn't do that. 
sure. Let's, let's go with that. Because that's our only problem. That's the only thing holding us back, Angela. Yes, that's... It's at least the one thing we can point out and blame and not have to think about any other of our followers. Years and years and years of experience and technology behind the BBC who apparently do podcasts because they can't be bothered to call them radio programming. The, 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 you know, the podcasts that you get on your radio. Yeah. For the past century. Oh, radio shows just podcasts. The, the BBC finally discovered that they were years ahead of their time back in 1923 when they were broadcasting podcasts to the nation. Yeah, God. Can, can you just imagine that? Boom, <laughs> whistle, Wait a minute. We've already been doing this. Yeah. The exciting new app from the BBC. BBC Sound. Um, you, you know that's been there? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sound, sounds are pretty bad. <laughs> and speaking of things that don't like sound... Yeah, you see? So, since we've Technically not covered it, I'll just do a brief rundown for Venom 1 as well. Okay. And, as per usual, full spoilers for both films. Because, um... Well, because... So... Don't spoil my movie! Venom 1. Disgraced journalist Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy, is bonded to the alien symbiote Venom, also played by Tom Hardy. Hijinks ensue, he eats a lobster, rocket explodes. The end. (laughs) <laughs> right, now that we're all up to date Venom 2 A year and a half later Eddie is trying to get his career back on track by interviewing serial killer Cletus Cassidy played by Woody Harrelson Things are going less well in Eddie's personal life though as he's being hassled by detective Pat Mulligan played by Stephen Graham his ex-girlfriend <laughs> Anne who is played by the more sensible Michelle Williams, has become engaged to a new boyfriend, and Venom is becoming increasingly frustrated with his lack of brain noms. In a final interview before his execution, Cletus bites Eddie and drinks his blood, drinking some of the symbiote with it. Back at their home, Venom decides he's done with Eddie and begins body-hopping his way over San Francisco. Cletus is strapped down and about to receive a lethal injection, However, it's stopped by a red symbiote who merges with him. Carnage then murders the guards, escapes from prison, and sets off on a bloody quest to rescue Cletus's girlfriend, Frances Barrison, a.k.a. Shriek, a.k.a. Naomi Harris, a fact that I didn't even realise until, like, the credits. Well, I spent the entire movie going, I know her. I know her. Where do I know her from? I think the problem is because... The main thing we know her from is Money Penny in the Bond films. Yeah. And this is very different from that. Yes. Which I think what I've done there is I've described acting. Yes, indeed. Um, so, yes, and, uh, what the, the other member of the cast that we forgot to uh, mention there was um, Michelle Williams is uh, Anne Wayne. Fiance played by a piece of background scenery called Reed Scott. 
whose entire purpose in the film is to say, let's go away. Yeah. yeah let's this not is... be here. So, so there's a good reason why I've not included Dan's name and actor, which is because I wrote Anna's engaged to her new fiance. What was that guy's name and who played him? <laughs> eh, I'll look it up in a bit. And then immediately, as always, when I'm not thinking of that actor, forgot he existed. <laughs> So anyway, Carnage is going to rescue Shriek from the legally distinct from Arkham Ravenscroft Asylum. We've also missed out the best actor name in the entire film. I mean, he's only got a very small part, but there's a Ravencroft patient called Oh, is this like Scroogeous Hip? That yes. sounds like a Spider-Man villain. Peter Parker like, thank is you. on a trail to I... hold down the evil Scroobius Pip. Thank you, Mick, because I didn't put Scroobius Pip in this because he's only, like, got a cameo appearance and it seems superfluous to the, uh, the summary. But now we've got him in there as well. Because <laughs> he is. He's called Scroobius Pip. I mean, that's a podcast in its own, isn't it? Can you what? imagine if it was a film starring Scroobius Pip and Imogen Poots? <laughs> It's a comedy double act waiting to happen, isn't it? Poots and Pip. Yes. Or Pip and Poots. <laughs> no, Poots and Pip, because then they're an unstoppable beatboxing duo. <laughs> so, Eddie is arrested for his seeming connection to the escape, but Anne convinces Venom to rescue him. The two bond again, but are too late to stop Carnage and Shriek from kidnapping Anne and Detective Mulligan, who is the one who sent Shriek to Ravenscroft and shot her in the face, giving her a weird... Well, as I say, giving her a weird... Giving her some face makeup and a contact lens. Well, apparently... Um, apparently... It seems that being shot in the face at close range is the number one cause of cataracts in America. Because... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say this, but it's that's so bad. Like, because it's, it's just a blue contact lens. <laughs> like, she's still just got... It's not like, you know, a cloudy, oh, she's not got an eye. Yeah. It's just blue. Yes. Anyway, um, they they kidnap those two and take them to a church where they forced, forced a priest. I get... Reese Smith! <laughs> Like, I, I think it's been a long time since I've done a genuine double take. Yeah, it, it's like, was all of America on holiday when they cast this movie? Yeah, that... God, how many Brits are in this cast? Because yeah, you've got Tom Hardy, Naomi Harris... Stephen Graham. Stephen Graham and Reese Shearsmith all doing varying degrees of dodgy American accents. Yeah. And, and then, somehow and they course, only... And then, of course, in the... In the credit sequence you've got Tom Holland of course yeah again <laughs> another one also I like that you've got all these Brits doing dodgy American accents and they still sound about the same level of ridiculousness as just Woody Harrelson's normal voice yes because the man sounds like a cartoon caricature of the 
Bats, so then it's basically Frog and Leghorn. Leghorn. It is, yeah. Anyway. I, I think that was a mistake in giving him a character called Cletus. I think being co- being given a character called Cletus automatically makes you talk that good. It should yeah. automatically I mean, make two of your front teeth drop out as well. I mean, to be fair, I would not put it past the makers of these films to go, right, we've got a guy called Cletus. Who's the most hillbilly actor we can cast? <laughs> Given that we can't just have the entire cast of Deliverance playing. <laughs> Why does Carnage not have a banjo? And Andy Circus. Uh, Andy Circus has taken this film way seriously, hasn't he? As well. Naomi Harris stars as uh, Francis Barrison stroke Streep. Cassidy's love interest who can manipulate sound energy with her scream. Circus described her as a damaged soul who's been living in isolation and has a dark side to her. Alright, this is a comic book movie. Yeah. It's also this comic book movie. You, you're not going to get an Oscar. I, I, don't, I don't feel like that's got to be just Andy Serkis having some fun. Because given the way this film is directed, I don't think anyone in this film is like, yeah, this is going to be a serious Oscar contender. <laughs> so there's like, what if, what if Cardish can just make a tornado? <laughs> also, it's an ill-fated love affair, isn't it? Shriek and Carnage. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's probably something they were trying to do there with she, like, his weakness or... Look, if Venom's not going to think about it, neither are we. <laughs> anyway, Venom arrives to save Anne and fights the villains. Mulligan is seemingly killed, but Venom is able to use Shriek's sonic scream abilities to bring down a bell tower and the sonic vibration to separate the symbiotes from both hosts. Eddie and Venom fall off the tower, but Anna and her fiance Dan oh I did get Dan in there. Uh, reach out reach out to catch. And and don't worry, Mick, because cause they get him. <laughs> well, Venom was always gonna Don't quote my song. We'll always quote your song, Venom, because it's never not hilarious. Venom, <laughs> anyway. Venom come again! By Eminem. <laughs> like one of the most successful rap musicians in the history of the genre. Not had much of him since, though, have you? No. I mean, I hate him. him. I mean, I guess the thing is just where else do you go when you've peaked? Well, when you've rhymed Venom with Get Em, there's, there's, there's no way back, really, is there? Exactly. Eight Mile Stan. They were all just leading up to the yeah. Venom rap. Anyway, Venom kills Carnage and Cletus before fleeing the law to a tropical island. Uh, meanwhile, Mulligan comes back to life with glowing blue eyes. Then, in a post credit scene, Eddie and Venom get transported to the MCU somehow. And they see Spider-Man get revealed as Peter Parker on TV. Yeah. Which, I have to say, we, we've been watching a lot of these... But I think the fact 
that to understand an important plot point in this film, you need to watch a film from a different franchise that comes out like two months after this one. Might be the most comic book thing I've ever seen in yeah. a film. And that's Venom 2. Oh, another quote from Circus. The film's runtime is shorter than its predecessor because he wants it to be a thrill ride, not hanging around too much exposition. Okay, Andy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> certainly, Andy, I would not complain that there's too much exposition in this film. <laughs> or indeed, any, any exposition. <laughs> like, that, that is something I wanted to ask you, Mick. Uh, being like not as familiar with the comics, did you understand what was happening in Venom Two? Um, kind of. Well, no, there was a whole thing where um, Venom says he's a red one, and there is absolutely no explanation why that's a bad thing. Yeah, like in the comics, it's because Carnage. Being the spawn of a symbiote, that for reasons makes him stronger than like a, an original gen. I guess they're basically they're like iPhones, where the next generation, the next generation is always a bit better and, and pricier and more evil and has more cameras. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you replace cameras with tentacles, the yeah. metaphor still holds. Oh, I found out what happened to Eminem after the first Venom movie. He returned to compose the song for this one. Oh, see, see, I was a bit disappointed by the end map for this one. Well, it, it was a collaboration with Skylar Grey, Paul O.G. and Mozzie. Ah, uh, there we go. That's Mozzie, not Mozza, because Eminem collaborating with Morrissey would be... Well, I'm not sure what that would be. But maybe we'll find out in Venom 3. God, I... I'd say I hope so, but also... Morrissey. <laughs> First of the symbiotes to die. But yeah, they, they really... They just do not spend any time explaining, like... Car I think the best we get is Carnage at one point yells out to Venom, I'm going to kill you, father. Yes. Much like kind of Matt Berry in the IT crowd. Yeah, it, it, it's it's weird. It, because there's very little reference to the first film. So in many ways, you don't have to have seen the first film uh, to, to watch Venom 2. But if you don't, then it's just this thing that Eddie's got a Eddie's got this symbiote and you know that's the thing yeah I feel like it's weird in that you don't need to have seen the first film but you do kind of need to have read like a decade's worth of Venom comics yeah <laughs> um. well I guess that they at least kind of touch on the weird thing that Venom eats chocolate. 
because it's got the same chemical as like brain stems. Yeah. At least, I I would advise against kind of taking any scientific lessons from Venom Two. Um, I'll, 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 I'll do it at the Dark Lord of the Interweb. And this this is very exciting. Carry on. You 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 chat away to the listeners, and I'll uh, I'll do science research. Okay. Yeah. So it's a well mixed doing that. That's that's explain Patrick Mulligan. <laughs> yes, I think I've got more chance of explaining the link between brain stems and chocolates than you have. Patrick yeah, by which I mean, let's explain the comic version of Patrick Milligan, which makes sense. Because <laughs> in that, he's a police officer who gets bonded to another symbiote who's the spawn of Carnage. And he goes by Toxin, which is maybe a thing that happened in this film. Because he just, he dies, and then he wakes up, and his eyes glow blue. Like, you don't, there's, there's not a point where he's like... I mean, to be eating. fair, that could just mean he'd be shot in the face. Yeah, do you think that's it? Maybe that's just the thing that happens in the Venom universe. <laughs> like, Shriek wasn't, she was actually shot in the face and killed, yeah. and then came back with a blue high, because yeah. that's just what happens. Yeah. And it's just we haven't seen it before, because Venom always eats people's heads. <laughs> we've done it. We've explained the logic of Venom. Excellent. Did we get a cut from uh, Circus? I think we get as much a cut as David McLean gets. Or Ryan Shuler. Or Ryan Shuler. Or literally anyone in comics. <laughs> We stand with you, Jack Kirby. But yeah, God, this is... It's certainly a film, isn't it? it? Yes, I know it's a film. There were a series of frames joined together and flashed in front of my eyes. I think that is a definition of a film. I, I, think, I think the thing is, is it's not a good film. It's, no. In fact, I'd say it's a bad film. Yes. But Poe still kind of likes it. Well, I mean, this is... It's, it's a what? bit like having a puppy and they keep, you know, ripping up the sofa and doing poos on the carpet. I am not but a puppy! Yes, you are, Venom, you scamp. I am not a puppy! Because I look at you and I just go, Oh, Venom. <laughs> Can we eat bad guys now? Yes, Venom, you can eat bad guys. You can eat all the bad guys you want because you deserve it. Yay! Even though you're such a messy puppy. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's. Um, I, I think, and I think you're right. It, it is a bad film, but it, in many ways, it, it's like the first film. It's a bad film, but it's a lot of fun, and it, it it's almost, in that regard, a perfect comic book movie, because you buy your comic book every week or every month or whatever the frequency the series is. And let's say you're following Spider-Man or Venom, Space Knight, or something like that. Not every storyline's going to hit the mark, but you carry on because the characters are fun. And I think I think there is a a tendency with some of the comic book movies to try and impart some portent to the story. You know, this is a this is going to be a universe changing event, or it might just be some comic book characters dicking about in a church somewhere. You know, I mean, it, it felt like a remake of King Kong in places. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Venom is just very aware that it's a silly B movie. Yeah, yeah, and I think can you imagine if um, Ed Woods was around to do it? Venom would be the Venom would be the superhero franchise he directed. God, it would be. Can you imagine Venom being even more? <laughs> yeah, that take will do. Halfway, <laughs> halfway through the show, Tom Hardy gets replaced by another actor who just hides his face for the entire film. <laughs> yeah, because. Because I guess in this version as well, Venom isn't CGI. He's just a man with black body paint. (laughs) He's basically the Lou Ferrigno Hulk. (laughs) But still regarded by many as the best Hulk. I I mean, to be fair, he technically still is the Hulk. Because I know he does a lot of the voice work, doesn't he, for the Marvel films. So yeah, so yeah. So I mean, I guess calling him the best live-action Hulk is not really that much competition, is there? No. No, not really. King of the Hulks. Good for him. So um. Let There Be Carnages, it's a bad film, but only because it, it feels like it's a comic book film by the numbers. Yeah, it's very, and I think this probably dovetails into my big complaints, which is, it's once again, hero's got to fight bad guy who's just different coloured version of the hero. Yeah. And especially with Venom, who's now done that for two films on the trot. Yeah. Um, And it's like we were saying about Eternals, you know, how many times can you do Evil Superman? How many times can you do different coloured version of Hero? I mean, this has got the subtle twist that Venom isn't really a hero. Yeah, but it's still two very similar CGI shapes just mushing into each other. Yeah, and 
and and the, the the thing is, you mentioned about um, the possibility that Mulligan becomes toxic. Is that seen for Venom three? Probably Venom three. Look, now there's another one. Bloody hell! Yeah. Venom three yeah. detox. That's what Venom three is going to be called. Oh, don't, because there is an actual character called Anti Venom. Oh God, that's it, isn't it? Venom three is Anti Venom. Because <laughs> there is talk of um, Spider Man franchise and Venom, the Spider Verse and Venom Verse crossing over, but apparently there's going to be several, several more films first. Oh. Because I assumed from the post credits that was saying that Venom's going to be in No Way Home. Yeah, I thought so. Too. Which, actually, yeah, given time, we should probably explain. We are recording this, like, before we have seen No Way Home. That's true. We are recording this. It's just come out, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think yesterday. Yeah. And for those of you who are trying to figure out, here's a cryptic clue. Spider-Man came out yesterday, and yet it's not yet Christmas. There we go. That, that's a bit of fun for the listeners. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about time we had something fun in the podcast. <laughs> Finally, a reason to listen. I first did Superman, but not in communion. Uh, man, I, I feel sorry for the listeners if they're trying to play the game and work out when the recording schedule is. Yeah, well, I mean, we've struggled. Yeah, yeah we, we've not got there yet. Maybe one day. I mean, working out what the recording schedule implies that there is a schedule. That's true. Insta- I, don't, I think a schedule can sometimes just be, do you want to do a podcast? Yeah, sure. It, yeah, I mean, it kind, of, it kind of loses the spontaneity that I think we've managed to achieve what feels, because of COVID, like decades of podcasting. Yeah, I always get surprised when I'm uploading an episode and it's not like episode 105. <laughs> anyway, draw a favourite bit in Venom 2 was it's, it's the bit where like Venom's fighting Carnage and he goes like, oh, how do I beat him? Speaks to He's reaped a sound. And then he looks across at Shriek with her sonic screaming abilities, who's like just been jilted by Carnage. And you think you know where it's going to go. So he kind of hauls her over to him and then just throws her at a bell. Yeah. Do you know what my favourite bits are? It's the, the bit where Carnage hacks a laptop. No, all the bits with Peggy Lilly. Oh, she is great. <laughs> Just as like the curmudgeonly store owner. Yeah. Well, I'm slightly disappointed because there was a slight bit in the film where Venom bonds to her. Yeah. Well, I was kind of hoping, maybe just ditch Tom Hardy, have her like fight Carnage. Yeah. I don't know, that'd be great. Just like uses the symbiote to like pull out a broom or something. Yeah. Just starts whacking me over the head. Yeah. And you, you could have so much more fun. You know, like the one of my favourite Stan Lee cameos was the 
running Spider-Man, where the big fight's going on behind him in the library. Oh, yeah, the uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just like got his headphones on. <laughs> you could do something similar to that, but she's fighting in the foreground, and then, you know, a customer will walk in, and a tentacle will just serve the customer <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Or someone will come in and do a stick up and another set of tentacles and so Oh that's that is exactly the kind of joke that would be in this film. <laughs> also, speaking of Venom Bonnie Green, does Venom murder a bunch of people in this film? Probably. Like it seems like when he bonds to people who aren't Eddie Brock, it kills them. Yes. It seems but... to be a shock to the system. Does seem to tra- leave a trail of bodies. Yeah. Or maybe in an off in an unseen sequence, they all rise again with glowy blue eyes. Actually, that's it. Yeah, of course, he, he lives in a universe where you can't kill anyone. <laughs> They're just respawning. That's it. That's maybe. that's what the glow is. That's what the blue glow is. It's that bit where you respawn after you you've lost a life, where you're you're invincible until some time has passed. Oh my! So they well, can't I... take damage for ten minutes after they've respawned, and then when the glow subsides, they're they're able to take damage again. I've okay. still not seen it. But is this what leads to the Venom Free Guy crossover? <laughs> yes. Excellent. See, I'm also slightly torn on, on this film because I feel like it would have worked better. Like maybe if you'd done a film with Carnage and then a sequel where like you introduce Shriek as well. But then you get two films of Carnage and I don't really want two films of Carnage. But this is is the problem with with the comic book franchise, isn't it? And it's where they've managed to avoid it so far with Spider-Man, the latest iteration, the Tom Holland iteration of Spider-Man, of having too much go on. But, yeah, they've not done a Spider-Man thing. Yeah, it, and and that's that's the worry. When I saw the trailer for Far From Home, I thought, oh, hold on. Well, then incorporating Spider-Man 3 as part of the film. This is never going to work. And as mentioned previously, we don't actually know yet whether it is going to work or not. Yeah. But there is I mean, this- I'm hoping because we've got the previous films, it's just going to be... Yeah, you know who these guys are. Yeah. But, but again, God help anyone who's not been keeping track of all these franchises. Exactly. Uh, especially the one from like 19 years. There are children that are going to go see Spider-Man far from home. Well, not children. But there are, there are going to be grown people who go to watch Spider-Man far from home who weren't born when the first... Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film came out. Oh, 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 don't, don't like that. Do not like that at all, Nick. <laughs> True, though. I know, but if I've learned anything over the past, like, five years or so, 
just because something's true doesn't mean I have to accept it as a fact. <laughs> no, you just have to accept it for the wine and cheese evening that it was. Exactly. But yeah, I, 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 I've always thought it's, it's a bit of a day. And we've discussed this at length on other movies, you know. When you start doing things like Justice League or Avengers, there are characters who get woefully under-serviced. And, you know, yes, they've kind of addressed that to an extent with Black Widow having a solo movie. But when you start then spreading those underused characters like Hawkeye out into TV as well, you know, I know people who don't watch TV. They only watch movies. Yeah, it's also, it, it doesn't make it a good thing in the movie if you then have to go watch like a supplementary movie or TV show Yeah, for a character to have development. Yeah, uh, so you get characters that are woefully underserviced. You know, you, you could be talking about your favourite character from a, a comic book team or your favourite villain. If, if they're all working together as some kind of Evil conglomerate. The, the Batman melting film films didn't work. I mean, it wasn't the fact that there were too many villains in the case of the last two. I'm going to call them the Burton Bros. Batman. It it was the least of their problems that they had too many villains, but they did have too many villains. Even Batman Returns had too much going on. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, they're just so desperate to be able to release things. Say, look at how many characters we've got in this film. Yeah. It's like, okay, but what are you doing with those characters? Yeah, and, it, mm. and you've also got the problem that potentially, you know, it's almost like they're going for the world's, the, the Guinness Book of World Records entry for most origin stories in a single movie. Yeah. That's weird because it's treating audiences basically like they are dogs. Yeah. Like they're going to go, I recognise that. Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I've been on Twitter. I know there are plenty of fans who are actually like that. And it, Look, that character has a name I recognise. Okay, but, but they're nothing like the character in the comics. Yeah. Don't care. It's the same name. This is great. <laughs> and to me, um, I mean, I've just gone through a similar experience with... Um, Doctor Who Flux, where actually spotting the nods to the classic series and the reboot series was actually more fun than following the plot. I mean, because it makes more sense. Well, just distracting from the plot. There was a plot, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, the, the plot was um, this big cloud, but, but if you can put the cloud inside a man, who's got lots of cloud space, then you can upload all your files and it saves them. So that when, when you get a new... Maybe that's it. Maybe it's so that when Doctor regenerates, they can just download all their files from the cloud and then then they don't have to, like, you know, dig out their old laptops. I think that was the plot of Flux. Okay. Which is why... Yeah, yeah, the plot of Flux 
is it's better to store your data in a cloud than on a watch. And um, don't, don't feed dogs potatoes because it will kill them. And Cybermen. Um, time wobbles. Okay. They. they, they like they, Collie wobbles, though. I don't. Well, no. I think what it was was they were in charge of time, and they didn't like how the wobbliness of space was interfering with their wibbliness. So they wanted to destroy it. Eight Chris Chibnall! It's fine. Russell's coming back. And he's going to make things better and then probably bad. <laughs> Just like last time. <coughs> so, are we going to rank Venom? I Hi. got Tom! I think we should rank Venom. Also, I've just realised the link is that both this and Doctor Who Flux have Liverpudlian accents doing absolutely incomprehensible accents. <laughs> so, yeah, we will be putting Venom 2 on our list of 1 to 28 with History of Violence at number 1, but I don't think we need to worry about that. <laughs> and Howard the Duck at number 28, which, again, I think is still safe. Yeah, it's no Howard the Duck. It may be yeah, a disappointing do... film, but it's no Howard the Duck. Actually, do you think we need to do like they do in sports sometimes, or we just retire the number 28? I mean, to be... I mean, I guess that doesn't work because then Howard the Duck just keeps getting lower and lower the more films you put on the list. Yeah. Um, and also, they tend to do that in sports at a point where, you know, there are 44 on the list. And number 28 was a, a well-respected servant. And Howard the Duck is not well-respected. Anyway, Venom 2. So, looking at the list, um, well, we'll start here because we mentioned it. Number 20, Batman Returns. 21, Wonder Woman 84. 22, Eternals. 23, Snyder Cut. I think from the point of view of being a fun film, I think it probably deserves to go just under Batman Returns. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I mean, I need again, to talk talk. I'm Otherwise, happy. I show you a brief history of violence. It won't be brief. I mean, that's true. If a history of violence is our number one, and Venom is more violent, except he's not more violent because this is—is it twelve A? It definitely seemed like noticeably not gory. 
Yeah, you think it's it's a problem I've bumped into a few times of like trying to just look at what rating is a film. How would you rate Venom Let There Be Cast? I mean, well, given off that, if we go off that, 15. I would rate... It's a 15. It's a 15. It's a 15. How? <laughs> that's a... That's a... That's actually got me reconsidering it a bit, then. Because one of the things I thought was it was really weird how in all of Carnage's Rampages they seem quite, like, you know, muted. Yeah. And I assumed that was because it was a 12A. No. Oh, compare it down to uh, Predecessor, which was also... Yeah, I mean, I guess they swear a bit, don't they? Yeah. But that's... Yeah. I'll be honest, that's actually got me wanting to put Venom 2 a little lower on the list. That's fine. So maybe... I mean, look, I'd, I'd personally put it below Eternals. Controversial. I mean, this is a bad movie that's fun. I mean, to be fair, I will say with Eternals, you did also watch that, like, on a tiny shaking about screen. Yeah, but it's, that doesn't detract from the fact that it's a bad film with bad dialogue and bad performances. Well, so is Venom 2. Yes! But fun at the same time, whereas Eternals, not fun. I don't know. Shall, shall we compromise then? Venom hey, two mate, in if between. I said to you, I will pay for you to go and watch a film again, and you get to choose. Would it be Eternals or Venom? I mean, well, well, well. First of all, we need to establish. Am I just getting paid the once through watching the film? I am paying your ticket to go see that film. Oh, right, okay, okay. I mean, look, to be honest, I'd, I'd go rewatch Eternals. Would you? I would, yeah. I mean, as we said in the episode, I like Eternals quite a lot more than you do. I think it's, it's visually quite interesting. That's not what I said. And it's again. Matty, I don't know. And you've got that dodgy shot of Angelina Jolie leaping off a horse. So the, the problem with this question is if I think about it, if I rewatch either of these films, because I've seen them quite recently, I'm probably not going to really watch them. <laughs> So in that case, I'd probably pick Venom because then it's, it's shorter. <laughs> it's easier to squeeze into your day. 
But no, I would say I like Eternals better, but also not strongly enough. That I'm, I'm that first about it. Right. It's again. It's it's why I didn't protest that much when we put it so low on the list. Yeah. Um. No, I'll. I'll. I think I think it's fair to put it just below Batman Returns. I I don't know whether I've watched this more readily than I've watched Wonder Woman eighty four. I'll probably watch it ahead of Eternals, but yeah, I would, I would say basically because of the stuff with the action scenes. Which my, my logic is. Because this is a 15 and not a 12A, it doesn't mean that the action scenes have had to be restricted because of, you know, the ratings markets. It's just that they're not very well shot. Yes. Whereas Wonder Woman 84, as as much as its story is bad and has lots of icky problems, some of the things that are shot look quite nice. Yeah. Like the bit where she like flips a truck over, or where she's you know in the airplane and there's fireworks going off. It's all ooh, that's quite lovely and nice. Or the bit where she fights the magical Mrs. Mistopheles. Man, cheetah, cheetah is bad. Maybe Venom 2 can stay where it is. <laughs> you see? <coughs> I mean, okay, I'll... I'll let Venom 2 be above Wonder Woman 84. Because I am, as it quite endeared by, like, Tom Hardy and Tom Hardy and their weird buddy cop comedy. <laughs> and the other... The other thing you've got to bear in mind is that coming up in the early part of next year, we have the following adaptations to look at. Uh, I mean, I don't know about these, you know, Untitled Wakanda series, Captain America, given, you know, that we didn't like Falcon Winter Soldier that much, and Echo, I mean, who, who really cares about adventures before she met the Bunny Men? Maybe they could do one with like Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew. Oh, that'd be cool. That that could be DC branching into the multiverse. Yes, finally we get the crossovers again. Captain Carrot takes on all the Jokers. Every single one of them. Yes. Good. This season Oh, no, I don't think he is. Also, when he fights the Jared Leto Joker, can we just get a recreation of that bit from Fight Club? <laughs> it's what the audience wants. <laughs> and by the audience, I mean me. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, think I think we would be the That's it. You and me. We would be the audience for the Captain Carrot movie. <laughs> Yes, the first film to gross like ten quid at box office. Yeah, but actually, well, no, because um, there was the Grinch. 
I mean, even though I feel I probably made slightly more than that. I wonder how much the room is made, like, from subsequent views. It, it's like actually technically quite a successful film now. Yeah, the the problem with it is no one knows how much profit it's made because no one knows where the money came from in the first place and how much it actually cost. Yeah, and you can't just ask Tommy Wiseau because no. his response will be incomprehensible. Yes. Which is very much in keeping with the script and the performances. Anyway, speaking of incomprehensible nonsense, Venom <laughs> 2 is our new number 21. <laughs> and that's about the end of the show. So, let's uh, scroll down for a bit. So, if you'd like to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And you should subscribe to the show, but make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is theholepod at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at theholepod. And if you're a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice, or just recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow the show and reach new listeners. So that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew. I've been Mick. And I've been Venom. So long, and thanks for listening.